0: This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice.
1: And I'm Eric Shaw-Quinn.
0: And you're listening to TDPS Presents, Christopher... And Eric. And we return this week with an all-new installment of our special feature, or special affliction, perhaps I should call it. (laughs) Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club. Are you excited for this week's true crime TV club Eric Shawkwain? Special
1: obsession, I think is what I would call it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Are you doing it? Are
1: you going to do the whole show in your um bathroom bookstore voice?
0: <laughs> <laughs> my bathroom bookstore. You know, I'm not doing as much bathroom bookstore as I was when we started this lovely COVID nineteen pandemic. However, I should I should give some context to people in case they have no idea what I'm talking about. I would go into my downstairs bathroom where I have taken some previously useless green glass shelves, which for I have no idea why they exist or what should go in there at all. And a I massive styled,
1: collection of cologne.
0: Um, I mean, it would have to be a collection so massive. I mean,
1: maybe like you could open a Sephora in there with all those shelves.
0: (laughs) And the whole idea of the bathroom, which I hate, it sounds hot, but it doesn't work at all, is that there's a shower in the center of the room, which looks great in a porn film, but it's very cold if you actually use it.
1: And when you first got the apartment, the the walls rolled back so that you mm-hmm. could sit in the adjacent bedroom and watch whoever it was take a shower or whatever the plan was. I'm I'm still I not sure. I think that
0: was exactly the plan. I think that was absolutely the plan of the gentleman who I bought this apartment from. So the point is, I took. I'm a book hoarder, as Eric and anyone who knows me knows. You never want to go with me in a bookstore because I just drop you like a rock and wander off into the racks. Uh, so I, I took these glass shelves to my life. and I styled them. Well, we don't we go to the bookstore together if we're signing books together. Like we don't you you know better by now not to go book shopping with me. I go alone, but not right now in this pandemic, which is why I made a bookstore in my downstairs bathroom. See, I was eventually able to bring the story full circle after all of those diversions,
1: and then he started recording sessions called "Bathroom Bookstore." And uploading Instagram or or where Facebook
0: originally upload them to Instagram and then they would feed to Facebook. But the longer we have gone on with the sheltering and home orders, the less effective Instagram has been at completing that feed. So I don't do them as often anymore, but I do do them whenever we post a new episode of this lovely podcast, which is typically on a Sunday. We actually post them late Saturday on the uh, West coast in case there's any lag time with them going out to every platform. So that's a peek behind the scenes, but to answer your question, I have to say true crime TV club does bring out a little bit of the formality in me. There's, there's a little bit more structure to true crime TV club than to our, let's just let Eric say whatever he wants. Episodes. I see. (laughs)
1: So, so it's about, so it's my fault that you're talking in. Bathroom always bookstore i came up with the name bathroom bookstore
0: yes you said you can play bookstore in your bathroom and i and what was your plan you wanted to go and buy me like a little shopping cart i like looked everywhere
1: cart? for like a play school um tough stuff uh shopping cart so that you right. could actually go shopping in your um your bathroom bookstore but couldn't find one i looked oh well
0: there's plenty of pandemic left, so you get, you know, we'll yeah. find one eventually. I haven't quit
1: trying. The shopping has not <laughs> ended.
0: No, 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 absolutely not. Okay, enough with all that funny talk. It's time for some serious business here at right. True Crime TV. Right. I'm sorry. Club. No
1: clowning around. We're always dead serious here at Christopher and Eric Presents.
0: And so I have to do my disclaimery stuff, which Eric lets me do because he's slightly less of a control freak than I am some days. Um, The goal of Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club is that we watch typically an hour, sometimes longer, true crime documentary, and we break it down and serve it up for you. It is not a requirement, and indeed, if it were, we would not be doing our jobs, for you to watch the show we are talking about. In fact, if we have a successful episode. In my opinion, it's because we have enabled you to walk away talking about the episode without ever having seen it yourself, which I would just say, spoiler alert, in the case of this one, you're really going to (laughs) want. But if you do want to watch the episode before you hear us talk about it, we always give you that information. You can pause the podcast and come back to it. Today, we're talking about a little hour-long episode of a show called Murder in Paradise. The episode is entitled French Kiss of Death and it is season 1 episode 6 <laughs> and it is very very streamable. So that's all the disclaimer stuff. Very out of the streamable,
1: way. huh? As opposed to only partly streamable or
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: now I think sometimes it's a blessing that you don't have to watch the episode that we did it for you. We took the hit for you. I took one for <laughs> the team and some of the, the some of the true crime uh tv shows that we've uh we've do- uh covered on true crime tv book true crime tv club um, uh-huh. have been yeah, maybe uh, easier to hear about than to actually watch.
0: But I will say, when we under- this was Eric's idea originally, and when we undertook it, I would say we had some philosophical differences about the type of material that we're going to cover. And just to put this out there, <laughs> we review the episode, not the case. We are not doing deep dives on individual cases. Sometimes we may get really interested in what really happened, but we this is about— We are
1: terrible detectives.
0: Serving up what is presented to us in this particular episode of television. So a lot of what we say also becomes a review of the episode. Anyway, that said. Well, yeah,
1: because what we enjoy is watching true crime TV club, TV shows. So that what kind of club would it be if we actually did the detective work? That's that's not the thing. It's the it's the TV shows that we love.
0: We're also huge bitches, and it's, it's better for us to attack the uh, editorial style of the show than the individual participants or victims of the crime. And that's
1: where my original insight cam- comes back into play, because Christopher thought it was going to be more about highbrow, sophisticated um, yes. crime documentaries, and I wanted some salacious trash. So, boy, did you get it
0: this week with this I'm episode you, of Murder Out in Wow. Paradise? Allow us, uh, good listeners, gentle party people, to introduce us you to you the tenth Earl of Shaftesbury, <laughs> Anthony Ashley Cooper, who, in I find this so confusing about the British aristocracy. He's an Earl but they also call him a Lord I've never quite understood why that is We deal with that in the Ramseys novels that I write with my mother Elliot Saverell is the Earl of Rutherford and Lord Saverell I don't get what is the relationship you anglophile you Eric Sharqua well, between Earl you, and Lord
1: You don't say your Earlship. <laughs> You say your lordship, whether you're talking to a duke or an earl or a count
0: or whatever, your countship, that would be fun. Your countship. So anyway, he is the Earl of Shaftesbury and I will try my best not to call him the Lord of Shaftesbury now that I have been schooled on the matter. Well, you could
1: call him that if you want to. I don't think anybody. I don't think it would be a disrespect, but it is sort of like Mrs. or Mister. or whatever. It's more about the title than the than the particular uh, the particulars of the title.
0: Absolutely. So when we are introduced to him at the opening of this special, he is twice divorced. He has abandoned his English country estate, which I thought was going to make Eric have an absolute conniption fit. I really did. I had to estates. pause it and
1: cry for a little bit. It was <laughs> this beautiful brick manor house. I did I, I shed a tear when he I saw that he had abandoned that.
0: Uh, and he's also abandoned his second wife for reasons which are not made entirely clear to us in the course and of the show. And she's not
1: a part of it, so one assumes that she's abandoned him, And but I expect she shed a few tears, too, on her way to the bank.
0: Uh, so when we are first introduced to the Earl of Shaftesbury, did I get it right, Eric? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I think so. You're the one with the cheat notes.
0: <laughs> he has abandoned his amazing country estate, much to Eric's distress. <laughs> He's abandoned his second wife for reasons which are not made entirely clear. And as Eric pointed out, she is not included or interviewed in the episode. And many other people from his life are included. Really only his sister. His sister, but also his friend, uh, the Reverend uh, Robert Prance, who is identified as being a friend of the Earl. Who
1: identifies himself
0: as being (laughs) a friend of the Earl. (laughs) And is incredibly... That's how I would go incredibly judgmental about the Earl's life choices.
1: Yeah, kind of a tough reverend. Yeah, like a tough vicar. He's a, yeah, his parish church has, uh, the seats are ejector seats.
0: Yeah. So, um, but the Earl has pissed everybody off, it's pretty clear, by basically abandoning his aristocratic life in Britain and moving to the south of France, basically to pursue... What the narrator of the special describes as exotic-looking women, which I think is a term we are taking a greater cultural look at lately. I'm not sure it's exactly politically correct to call I'm people gonna go who don't with... look exactly like you exotic anymore. Yeah, I'm just strippers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> strippers. It was their attempt to be diplomatic towards sex workers, but also be kind of racist in the process. Um, he liked... Uh, dark-complected Middle Eastern women, essentially, is what they what they were dancing Apparently. around. Apparently, and so now the special jumps around a bit in the chronology of his relationship, or the relationship that he finds immediately upon arriving in Khan. Actually, that's in the south of France, where he ends up. And
1: let's pause for a moment now as we arrive in Khan with um, his lordship to reflect on the um, your favorite the. Uh, the, what do we call them? The, the re-craptaculations?
0: The the um, re-craptacular reenactments. Now, I was going to say, this one didn't really drive me crazy, and you're going to know why, or anyone who's listened to the show is going to know why, they didn't really have any dialogue. They didn't give the no. reenactors any awful wooden lines to say. They
1: did, however, get most of the costuming from um, a bad roadshow company of nine. Um, <laughs> the principal, the principal lady um, in our story, uh, Camilla is definitely wearing. Acres. Jamila is Jamilla. definitely wearing. Um, Karen acres call to the Vatican wig and outfit. And I think she may be wearing the wig backwards. Yes. Um, because there's there's something really there's something wrong with that wig. There's
0: something bad going on <laughs> See, with that wig. See, you always go right to the wigs and I go right to the acting. And here's the thing that drove me particularly crazy. These women, uh, there will be two of them, uh, two Middle Eastern women, two, one Moroccan and one Tunisian. Um only one is interviewed. She's interviewed in really French. And in her reenactments, her reen- the, 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 the little you hear of her, she's speaking English to other people that would be speaking another language. So it's like, why? It's it gets me back to why bother with the reenactments at all? Well, you
1: know, I guess you always come back to that. It's to amuse the people watching the terrible <laughs> show is the answer, Christopher. I believe I've tried to explain this to you. The terrible. Uh, that's it's to keep me laughing so that I stay tuned for the rest of the crappy show.
0: This is really, I, I see the point. I see the point of this. I like it better when they don't talk and they didn't really talk a lot on this one. It was just background really noise didn't. that you were hearing when they spoke English. So, so this is the, some of them take this structure, and it's not always my favorite thing because it doesn't make it the easiest to summarize. We're going to give you a thumbnail and then we take a deeper dive along with the police detectives into who a lot of these people are and what they were up to as the crime begins to reveal itself. but the Earl of Shaftesbury moves to Khan, he marries this woman, Jamila, his family is sort of horrified um who he met like at a club
1: she was like a she was really it seemed like she was um a a call girl or well, something of that of that no. nature. That
0: but see now there are two women. He he didn't. We get we found out later how he really met Jamila, and it's it's not at a club. It's uh, he meets Nadia at a club. Okay, here's what happens. All right, he meets this woman Jamila. Their relationship doesn't work out. They're together a year and a half. They're seeking a divorce. He starts going to what they call hostess clubs in Morocco, and he meets a a hostess in air quotes named Nadia. She's 33 years old. She's a Moroccan woman. Right. He moves in with her. They're together for four months. She gets angry with him because he will not stop cheating on her with other sex workers. And Who is she? Which she? This is Nadia. This is Nadia. So they're interviewing Nadia. She's talking in French. Oh, right. He had started right. going
1: back to another club too. That's right. He did do that. So he's already cheating on the first wife with Nadia, and then Nadia gets mad when he starts cheating on her with other sex workers.
0: But we don't. We don't actually know if he's cheating on Jamila with Nadia because we find out later well, how he's still
1: really married well. to Nadia, J- uh, to Jamila. So
0: they're separated. He, They've been separated but, for months. That doesn't make it not... Married. I'm not. Yeah. I don't mean to defend the Earl of Shaftesbury. He's a total. Yeah, he's complete... still
1: cheating on the, like, <laughs> I was not, it wasn't lost on me. The irony wasn't lost on me that the other woman who he's cheating on his wife with gets mad that he's not being faithful to her, even though oh. he's actually still cheating g- on the woman who he's still married to it, wherever it, it, he's living. It
0: gets worse than that. Yes, exactly. So anyway, I, I I think we should just cut to the heart of this ridiculous crime by these t- Terrible criminals. But anyway, so he's supposed to meet Nadia for dinner and he doesn't show up. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it
1: with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No spaces. And we'll do our best. To answer it on the show.
0: Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shay Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebookcom the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. So Nadia is waiting for him at dinner and the Earl of Shaftesbury does not show up, and I think he's supposed to meet her and her kids. So Nadia tries yeah, to report which, him missing, strange. but, but he, she can't under French law. Only an actual relative can uh, report someone missing.
1: So And I they, have to say, one of the really entertaining aspects of this particular story was the dive that we took into the nature of the investigative work of French, the French authorities. I was like, there were moments of like, really? Do you remember that moment in Pacific Rim when I was like, there's a sword? We'd waited <laughs> yes. through a two-hour movie for them defending themselves against these people, and suddenly weapons appeared that they'd apparently had all along. This right. was how I kind of felt about the... As the investigation goes along, suddenly they do something that you think... Really? They they didn't do that like the first day, you know, like yeah. six months into the investigation. It was it was telling.
0: And that's the thing. I, I You know, like they would drop along the way very lightly how much time had passed in the investigation. And I'm like, this took six months because a lot of times you're watching Dateline or 48 hours and they're making something. They're making four days sound like it took six months. But really, it all unfolded right. under a very short amount of time.
1: That's what I mean about the investigative process. It was like. Right. Wow. So, like, did they go out of town for a couple of weeks or (laughs) did they go to Mallorca for a vacation in the middle of the investigation? It was it was protracted for what was actually accomplished
0: anyway. So So.
1: but the first uh, the first notion that we have that we're not in England anymore or in uh, America is that, yes, indeed that uh, she can't even report him missing even though he's missing because she's not actually related to him.
0: That's correct. And so in order to get him officially reported missing, they need to contact his aristocratic British sister, who I imagine was just thrilled to be getting a phone call from Nadia. And she is interviewed. That's Lady Frances Ashley Cooper, who occasionally at various small moments throughout the episode shows some level of emotion about the fact that her brother is missing. Uh, but in a very dignified and British way. So, um, the d- French detectives who get the missing persons report, detectives Alain Brunoche and Pierre Batty, they find out right away oh, he was in a protracted discussion, air quotes, with his wife that he separated from about a potential divorce. We should go talk to the wife. And the wife is Jamila. Right. Sh-
1: who A does not look like she's ever been to North Africa, let alone like she's from
0: North Africa.
1: I don't mean the actual wife, I mean the recre the re the
0: reenactor, yes, absolutely. Right, the reenactor
1: who they've hired and put the wig on backwards. It looks like maybe she's from I'm going to guess Sussex. <laughs> That's as far south as I think she's ever been. But it's like, okay, that can be Jamila if you want it to be, but that doesn't look like anything like the pictures of the Jamila that you keep showing us from North Africa.
0: Right, exactly. So when they arrive at her apartment, she seems very agitated, and she also seems high. They speculate that she did a line of cocaine right before they walked into the apartment, which is a very specific thing to speculate about somebody you're interviewing. (laughs) It was the white powder crusted on the tip of her nose that really was,
1: was the dad giveaway.
0: And I will say this again about the reenactor: The reenactors, reenactress does not seem remotely high, but in every real photograph they show of the real Jamila, she looks like she just did five lines of cocaine. I oh, mean, my looks, God. Like
1: she's about to yeah. fall over. Like, right. yeah, she looks and yeah, she weighs about 11 pounds.
0: Right. And the pro- pictures of her progressively get worse and worse as the special goes on. So.
1: Though her hair is terrible from the start.
0: So Jamila tells them a pretty outlandish story that the last time she saw the Earl of Shaftesbury, he showed up at her house late at night drunk and then she includes these details, which I'm very sorry to say, are also included in the reenactment. Yes. He had urine and feces on his clothes. And they have like a reenactor playing him with like little daubs of uh, hopefully chocolate sauce on his white polo shirt.
1: But yuck on his polo shirt. It was really hideous. It was like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um she says claims that she sent him away and called him a drunk and a horror monger and she asked for the divorce because he's like this and blah 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 and he's terrible and she's saying all this all strung out on cocaine, allegedly. So and this yeah. gets back to your point. Like they have this interview and then everything and So that then follows... they take like
1: a month, so then like three months later, they decide to talk to somebody else. Like it's <laughs> and... like what
0: and the 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 special according the special covers for them by basically saying they began to entertain all these wild theories of his disappearance for which there was not really a shred of evidence Nothing. like they say
1: that he killed himself that he had done also that other things might, that he might be kidnapped and of course they do reenactments of him being kidnapped with like a bag on his head in some yeah. Um, hovel somewhere tied to a post it's it's like uh the storage
0: room at the network's office yeah where they right clearly like it's like
1: it's the i but there's no supporting evidence for anything of the sort and there's Um, been no ransom and it's been two or three weeks so you know like probably they would have asked for a ransom by now if he was actually kidnapped
0: the suicide thing does give them an opportunity to give us a little glimpse into the into the Earl's character, what they want to believe is the Earl's character, which is they, they point out that the Earl's life went off the rails, quote unquote, depending on who you're talking to. If you're talking to the Earl, a life in the south of France with a lot of hot women doesn't exactly sound like off the rails. His mother died recently, and the sister claims he's simply not gotten over his grief over it, and it's why he's acting the way that he is. And the mother apparently died on the, on the actual night of um, his nephew's wedding. So the sister's oldest son was getting married. Their mother died that night. But there's, again, no evidence that the Earl was remotely suicidal as a result of this. If anything, it was like, my mother's gone. I can get out of town and do whatever I want.
1: Yeah. He just sort of lost his mind. And I think part of the, my takeaway was that part of the reason we didn't hear from anyone else in his life or any of his other friends was because nobody could put up with him anymore. This, like the, my biggest take on this whole story is that this was a sad story. This was a collection of really sad people. This was a man who had absolutely everything Mm -hmm. and was so lost in being just this hopeless out irresponsible alcoholic that he just sort of frittered it all away that and was pursuing these really tragic sorts of characters who Mm -hmm. were doing their best the 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 one of the high spots was there was a a a reporter named Peter Allen who had Mm -hmm. maybe the most interesting voice this sort of um lifestyles of the rich and famous narration that they would drop him in to sort of Spark up the glamour of this incredibly tawdry, <laughs> sad collection of people and circumstances. It's like yeah, nothing about this sounds like the champagne life. Like and n- no, and no. None of
0: the bars looked that great. I mean, they might have just been reenactments or whatever. It didn't look like ooh, you know, whatever. But he was get he was doing whatever he wanted with whoever he wanted to do it to. Yeah, it was and running around start.
1: and having and drinking and carrying on and having a great time. And but he was also showing off his money in public and. Kind of like in that way that drunk people are, he was vulnerable to just about anything. So I think that's why the police thought that he might have been kidnapped or robbed or who knows, um, because he really was, because he was such a mess.
0: Yeah, he was a total mess. However, when the police go to talk to the last bartender who served him on the night that he went missing and the night that Jamila says he stopped by her apartment, the bartender says... He was not in the condition that she described. He was not a man who was about to have urine and excrement on his clothes. And the special presents this is the moment when the detective stopped entertaining those sort of sidebar theories, one of which also included Nadia's supposedly violent ex-husband, because Nadia was the woman he had begun seeing. And right, they, they said, brought him in. So
1: she we... was cheating on her husband with
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Go they ahead. were divorced. I think he was actually her ex. But anyway... They actually start looking at Jamila more closely. Now, again, this is how the special presents it. Maybe the detective started looking at Jamila right away, but the investigation still took an amazingly long amount of time, given what they eventually turn up, which is not that much, but anyway.
1: Which is really pretty basic stuff that you would think they would have noticed right away, but unless they didn't look into it, which apparently they didn't. But yeah. So he goes, so yeah, he's, he was at the JW, the highly glamorous JW Marriott hotel bar (laughs) drinking immediately prior to going over to see his ex-wife. And he actually told them, I can't finish my drink. Just keep an eye on it. I'll be right. I'll be back to get it. I have to go have a meeting with my ex-wife and he never came back.
0: He never came back. So they finally start looking into how Jamila and the Earl actually met. And they met a few about a, a little over a year earlier, when he hired her through a high-class escort service and flew her to where he was living at the time, which was in the French suburb of Versailles. It used to be a palace. now it's a suburb. France is very interesting, like right? That. Um,
1: <laughs> it's, it's gone canto.
0: So there's a story that's like, okay, I guess this is a romantic story. She shows up in a rainstorm and she's soaking wet. And all he wanted was a little company and to talk, which is always like, yeah, okay. What he wanted was a one-sided conversation with someone he was paying to be there who couldn't answer back. That's what that's what men who need to have conversations with sex workers really want most of the time. They want a one-sided conversation with someone who won't contradict or
1: argue they with them. They want an active listener, yes. Yes, they that's... want
0: an active listener whose time they're paying for. So allegedly- not they not going fa-
1: to tell them they're, they're full of shit.
0: Yeah, and or you should treat her, your wife better um, or listen yeah. to her or get her the stuff she wants from the kitchen. So they fall in love, of course, because the Earl's that kind of guy. Um, right. The family is horrified. They cut to the sister and she said, you know, I just knew she was out for money. I just knew it was what she wanted was, was his money. Um, but she tells him she's pregnant which apparently because, you know, the Earl doesn't really investigate very thoroughly because, <laughs> this is my favorite part, 18 months later, there's no sign of a baby. So, But, but there is a ring on her <laughs>
1: finger and she is now her ladyship, the Countess of Shaftesbury.
0: Right, but like, what about 10 months? What about 11 months? Like, why did it take until no, 18 no. months? No, no, 18 months, it was like, um,
1: weren't you pregnant? Should you have had the kid by now? It's been like, twice the length of time that it's supposed to take, even if you would just gotten pregnant the day you first told me. I mean, like, was yeah. he that
0: drunk that he just didn't realize the pregnancy was alive before That's my impression. Then? Yeah.
1: That's my impression. Yeah. That kind of, he was that drunk and that's, yeah. The sister really comes down hard on that.
0: Yes, she does. So. We're now at six weeks after his disappearance, and there's no evidence that he vanished voluntarily. So at six weeks, the police decide to launch an official murder investigation, which is like, really? Right, because, you know, something could be up. (laughs) It's just like, we haven't talked about this on the show but there's a Netflix special, The Murder of Madeleine McCann, it was, or The Disappearance of Madeleine McCann. And she's a beautiful little girl of a British family who disappeared on vacation in Portugal. And the, they kept getting the Portuguese cops in the press because they kept taking these long lunches in the middle of the investigation. And the tabloids would always run these photos of the whole team just sort of sitting in an outside cafe having... You know tea and coffee and whatever and this is what i kept thinking of when i thought of these these investigators um so jamila His suffers muscles
1: a- were in season so they couldn't investigate for a couple of
0: weeks <laughs> just i stop. just it
1: was like what the hell are you guys doing
0: i have no idea so jamila suffers a very convenient mental breakdown and is admitted to a psych ward And whether or not this is response in response to becoming a murder investigation, the special doesn't make clear, but it's presented as happening simultaneously with her sister, Naima, who will later become a really big problem for Jamila in a a very glaringly obvious way, um, shows up at her bedside. Neither woman knows that Jamila's cell phone has been tapped by the police. As a result of this breakdown, Jamila decides she's got to call her lawyer and talk to her lawyer. She picks up the phone. She initiates the call, and her sister pulls the phone out of her hand and tries to end the call, which says to the police investigators listening in, Jamila has something very major to talk to her attorney about, so they arrest her pretty quickly after that. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Christopher and Eric is a production of the TDPS Network, which mm. you can support by visiting the thedinnerpartyshow.com or www.tdps.tv. And by
1: clicking on the gold Amazon box at the bottom right-hand corner of the home page... You'll ensure a portion of your subsequent Amazon purchases supports podcasts like this one. The same is true if you use any of the buy links on our website as well. And the dinnerpartyshow.com and tdps.tv is also where you can find all the episodes of our other podcast, The Dinner Party Show, which is full of celebrity interviews and sketch comedy that's gotten us banned in 20 states. That's not true. A man can dream.
0: All right. Well, let's dream of everyone supporting our website. That way we can avoid putting an ad in this spot for a crowdsourced skin surgery app. The police arrest Jamila, and they arrest her based on what they overheard on her tapped phone, trying to make a call to her attorney, and her sister tried to prevent her from making the call. So when they bring uh, Jamila in, she confesses that she lied to them. That, um, her brother, wow. <laughs> who saw that coming, right? And she introduces a whole new character to the piece who we have not heard about before now, which is her brother, Mohammed. And she says that on the night Anthony came to her apartment, and I can't remember if she retracts the urine and excrement detail in this second telling oh, yeah. of the story, but yeah, she yeah, says he came to the crap. apartment, um. Muhammad was there and he's a violent psycho. Like she's immediately ready to completely trash her brother. He's like the bad sheep of the family. He did all sorts of crazy shit when we were kids. He walks into the apartment. Anthony also a sex worker. Also, he is described as a former German
1: gigolo. (laughs) But now he is, I don't know, a kindergarten teacher. I I don't know.
0: (laughs) Um anyway, this special oh god. Uh, okay. So, uh she walks in he does not greet Anthony, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, he does not greet Muhammad with the respect that Muhammad believes he deserves. So Muhammad strangles him, <laughs> basically. They have like they you fight. do. They, it, get, it escalates. Anthony fights back, which becomes, the Earl, I should say, fights back, which becomes somewhat of an important detail later because people contradict that he was ever violent or would ever get ab- abusive when he was drunk, that he was just a sort of slobbering, sloppy, sentimental drunk. But they claim that he so leaned yeah. into the fight Ridiculous. that Muhammad had to strangle him. Um, and Jamila says, I didn't do anything. Muhammad basically picked up his body, carried it out to the trunk of the car, drove off with him. And that's the last I ever saw.
1: Yeah. So that terrible Muhammad, he did everything. And I just can't keep this secret anymore. So they put her in the, um, the mental health ward of the, lo- the nearest prison.
0: Can we have a moment about the set that was used for the mental health ward in the nearest prison? Like, it looked like American Horror Story Asylum, right?
1: It was like the the assassination and persecution of uh, Jean Paul Marat is staged by the inmates <laughs> <laughs> under the direction of the Marquis de Sade. Do you remember? It was like. Um, okay. This is a little, yeah. Is she going to sing something from La Boheme later? (laughs) Like what's going on? Uh, Where is this?
0: Okay. So yeah, they, um, they, the police do not believe Jamila's story. They don't believe that she was just an innocent bystander. Um, since she lied to them before,
1: why would they believe her and whatever's, but they decide they do need to talk to
0: Mohammed. So they arrest him. And he at first says he's got nothing to do with it. He claims he was in Germany the day before the Earl vanished. And that day before, part is, is going to become really important in about a few minutes, by the way. Um, they investigate, and they do find out that what Jamila said about his history of doing psychotic things is supported by the other member of the family. His ex-wife describes him as someone who is very dangerous. That's really a recurring theme on a lot of the specials that we talk about. The ex-wife describes their former husband as being a very dangerous person. And nine times out of ten, they are. The ex-wife is Never correct. a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh they talk to Jamila's first husband who is not interviewed which would have been a really interesting uh interview and he says "Oh uh uh-uh. uh uh Jamila and Mohammed are best friends. They are thick. Yeah, they're as thick as thieves." thieves. She was yeah. not been terrorized by him. He might be psychotic, but he was never psychotic at her at her. Maybe with her, but not at her or not more than her. So Mohammed's German alibi, I remember that day before thing I just mentioned, that starts to fall apart because while he flew to M- Munich the day before the alleged murder, he got in a car and drove to the, <laughs> the France shortly after his arrival.
1: Later that day, as soon as he got there, and they were able to de- trace it by pinging his cell phone.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Like, th- th- and once again, you're going, um... So this is the first time this happened? Like this is the first time you looked into people's cell phone records? Anyway.
0: So what happens next is maybe the best it, – it, this is a pattern now – the, the thing that the investigators apparently really hope for is for Jamila's sister, Naima, to go visit her in the psych ward because that's when their investigations really break wide open. So Naima And they've for, bugged the psych ward. Of course. And this time they've bugged the actual... Well, it's the prison psych ward, right? So like yeah. no expectation of privacy in a prison, which apparently nobody understands who's a criminal. They'll like confess to stuff on the payphone to their lawyer. It's like, did you not think this would be tapped? Anyway... Right, you're in prison. How did you expect privacy? Anyway, yeah, do go ahead. For reasons that Naima d- the d- the special doesn't really make clear, Naima becomes very determined to get Jamila to admit and we have n- we're not presented with any evidence that Naima is working for the police, but it sure sounds like it or but maybe she duh. really hates Jamila. Maybe. She wants Jamila to admit that she made a big payment of money to Mohammed, her brother. But right you gave him
1: her. the $150,000 yeah. euros, right? But you did, right? And Jamila says, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. And she says,
0: but you did, right?
1: Like three or four times.
0: Yeah. It's one of those details where it's like, did this narration get cut down? And the part where you explained why her sister completely kicked her legs out from under her in this way was more... Anyway. Yeah,
1: after taking the phone away from her the last time, it's quite a reversal.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe something happened in the second act that we didn't get to see. So they bring Mohammed in. And actually, I think I confused the two different lies that brother and sister tell. I don't think that Jamila earlier said that Mohammed attacked Anthony because he wasn't properly respected. I think Jamila didn't even go that far. She just said... And, and Mohammed such a psycho, he just strangled Anthony in the in the front hallway.
1: Well, Anthony was they got into a fight about money, I think, the first time. And, and Anthony was saying, no, he wouldn't pay anybody anything. And yeah. that was why Muhammad and he got into a fight and he strangled him. But the second time he was rude.
0: Yeah, he was rude. Um, didn't give me the respect I deserved. So I strangled him. Ah, anyway. <laughs> So which is a is a cautionary
1: tale to all of us that we should c- very carefully review the respect due a ger- former German gigolo when <laughs> you enter a room and have not been introduced to him because you don't want to get strangled and so you'd better be well versed in how you are supposed to address him
0: right that's why i ha- we have a whole line of respect your gigolo merchandise here at TDPS and Christopher and Eric right. which are going to be putting on we'll, sale soon i believe in respecting yeah. your gigolos I do believe in Keep respecting your out. gigolos. I don't believe in respecting cold-blooded murderers to the extent that Mohammed no. wants to be respected. So um
1: and those are not the same thing.
0: Jamila's story is basically falling apart. But again, as you mentioned earlier, Eric, cell phone records, <laughs> so is Jamila cell phone records are what is going to do in this murder. Right.
1: And once again, like because they, they decide to look further on the cell phone records then they looked the last time when they determined that he had, in fact, come back um, as soon as he flew to Munich. He had then immediately driven back to whatchamacallit. But they apparently stopped looking there. But then when they couldn't find the body, they decided to look back at the phone records because they wouldn't tell him where the
0: body was. And so Mohammed does tell them where the body is. And they see that as their opportunity delayed, as you just pointed out, opportunity to find out if Jamila No, he really, doesn't. He doesn't? Well, how do they He find doesn't the body? tell them.
1: From the cell phone records.
0: Oh, they find Well, they find. Moh- oh, OK. So it's Mohammed's cell phone record. Clearly, I love no, this episode. It's it's not Mohammed's cell phone records. It's the Earl's. Like you have a
1: missing oh. person and six months into the investigation. The first time you check the last place that his cell phone pings is <laughs> six months later. Like. What were you guys doing? He was a missing person. <laughs> he might have still been alive six months ago when you could have checked his cell phone, but they don't until they need the body to make their case against Jamila and Muhammad. Then they check the Earl's cell phone records. And what do you know? He's 15 minutes. His last ping was 15 minutes outside of, um, yeah, of, uh, of Khan where this is taking place. And so they go there, they search around in, um, like a four mile area. It's not a small area. And there he is tumbled off the side of the road. And then they go and look at Mohammed's records. And what do you know? His cell phone pinged off the same t- tower. And, and so then they can put him at the same location as as the Earl and right. the Earl's and, body.
0: and then they go to Jamila's phone records and they also put her at the site of the body dump. So Six all, months later. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, it's here's like, the, here's the part records, about this. You, here's the part about that I don't understand. He was really... Rich. Like, I expect that kind of investigational neglect if somebody doesn't have a powerful, wealthy family to intimidate the police with. He was a
1: peer of the realm. He was one of the richest. He was a hugely rich, powerful man. And nobody really looked for him.
0: So what they ultimately find is a pretty simple, basic, and as you pointed out, kind of sad and tawdry crime. They set Set him up. It was premeditated. The fact that Mohammed made the trip to Germany and drove in by car means they were setting it up. He was going to divorce Jamila. She was going to lose out on his money. They thought if they they killed him before the divorce could go through. I don't know what their plan was for after that. I guess, was she set to inherit everything? I don't know. She continues to live in his apartment building and consort with the neighbors. That's the other part that's
1: really stupid. His eldest child would have inherited everything. (laughs) Whoever... Whatever happened to him, because that's how um, titles work.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was just everything she about She wouldn't have inherited
1: stupid. his title. His eldest child would have. She's not in the line of succession. I just, it was, they were really, it was, it was a collection of, it was really sad that this was the best that the Earl could do. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad that these people were reduced to these circumstances. It's all really, I mean, it's really a sad story about a really sad, sick group of people. It, it, was, it was really
0: sad, and I think they try to end it on this note. that, that, that They end the special with people talking about the fact that Jamila and Mohammed go to prison, and Jamila is unrepentant in prison, and she says, we were poor people who were taken advantage of by the rich and the powerful. I'm friends with a lot of movie stars who are going to come and be character witnesses for my defense. Spoiler alert, they never show up. Um, and then they go to or Nadia. because she didn't know any. Then they go to Nadia for, as if she's going to be the voice, the woman that she was I cheating on Jamila Nadia. with, that he was also cheating with, and Nadia is going to be this voice the, of moral clarity who wraps it up And the up actual
1: for us. Nadia participated in this show. The, right.
0: Everybody else was just still photographs, but
1: Nadia actually participated in the show.
0: But Nadia upbraids jamila for being detached from reality and so arrogant and it's like you he was still married to jamila when he was dating he was like there are no heroes here there are no yeah, except for maybe yeah. the poor sister who had to deal with all this crap living her life back in london you know it's a
1: sick sad world
0: so the jury returns after two hours they find jamila and muhammad guilty they were each sentenced to 25 years and so ends their you know this episode,
1: <laughs> the sick, sad tale of the demise of the poor Earl of Shaftesbury. Jesus Christ! What a pathetic um, little tale! And it was really what an sad. interesting telling of it. It was really, it was a drab little, it was uh, tawdry little special.
0: And I think you're right. I think you nailed it. Like uh, the journalist that you were talking about, I think his name is Peter Malone. He, they would call him into. Um, uh, oh, I confused the last name. There was one Ashley Malone and then I there was I think it's Peter.
1: Peter Allen. Peter Allen. I think it's Peter Allen.
0: They would bring him in to just say how much everything probably cost, like you were saying, the lifestyles of the rich and famous thing. Yeah. But none of And it, he had just... that
1: great voice. That voice was— it was like a character from um Brideshead revisited or something had this sort of lisping execular very <laughs> nasally it was just fabulous it was fabulous i wanted him to narrate the whole thing
0: yeah absolutely but it was um it was a tawdry story that of the of the level of sadness that we're usually um, used to covering about people who are struggling or lower income, and it was happening yeah. among the manor born, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. something to be said for the universality of crime and vices.
1: Yeah, and of just hopeless alcoholism. I mean, he was really just a hopeless alcoholic, and that's really a shame. It just destroyed him.
0: Yeah. There were moments at the very end where it was almost like they were throwing in the more insightful and interesting parts of their interviews with people, but they weren't fleshing them out. And the sister starts to make a, po- a larger point about her brother, which I think is going in the direction that you just pointed out. But they don't yeah. include it all, you know. But there was this sense: the Reverend, who may or may not have been good friends with the Earl, his yeah, we'll anger see. is is congruent with someone who is very frustrated with somebody else's life choices in the way that you would be frustrated with someone who's an active alcoholic or addict, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That just sense yeah. of like, how could you throw away this life?
1: And the complete detachment of anybody else, any show of concern from anyone else from his former life for his circumstances and his fate. They were just, nobody really, other than the sister, nobody else really showed up. Nobody filed the missing point. Uh, the missing persons report, other than the sister, and she was the only one who was willing to. He had two wives and children, and none of them were concerned about where he was
0: a lot of the time when we talk about these cases here on true crime t v club, we hear a story that wasn't told, but the sense that I'm getting from you and from your response is you kind of feel like this whole story was told, and it was this pathetic and sad, like there wasn't some and it was great... really yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and it was and it was some. Pretty mediocre police work. I I have to say that it was six months after the man disappeared. You checked where his cell phone last pinged. I'm like, you're kidding. That's the, that's the first time you thought to check where he might've been. Mm -hmm. Like, you're speculating about him being kidnapped and you didn't think to check where his cell phone was. Mm-hmm. I just, that was just, that was ridiculous to me though. It was really, it was like, Oh, this is a very different. And you know, I, what everybody kept saying was he frequently disappeared. Like he was as likely to be in and Tebe with some girl he'd picked up at the hostess bar as he was to be dead by the side of the road. He was a very undependable sort of character, and so maybe some of that was on him.
0: But they qualified they that by seriously. saying that he would only disappear for a few days and he would rarely fall completely out of touch with his family, which I think meant his sister at that point, that he would call yes. her at least, you know? Yes. But yeah, anyway... Not our most thrilling episode of true crime TV club by any stretch of the imagination. We picked it because it's a beach scene. And this episode is posting around Memorial Day weekend, although the extent to which most of us here in America will be able to enjoy it. I'm not really sure. Many of us are probably going to still be under sheltering at home orders, perhaps, Um on our next episode, we're doing something special, Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you remember what we're doing? It's, it's a surprise for both of us. We're going to surprise uh, oh, each well, other.
1: Maybe I should wait and be surprised. I don't
0: want to spoil my surprise. We are going to be looking back, and we're going to each uh, talk to the other about the episode we have done so far of True Crime TV Club that has haunted us the most that has stuck with of us of True Crime TV Club yes yes
1: that's what we're doing yes that's it
0: yes absolutely so now that you've been surprised by the topic you can be prepared to surprise me in the next episode because I plan to surprise you we have not discussed in advance which episodes are the ones that have really stuck with us so we will do yes. that next week yes absolutely I
1: see yes I'm really glad that I heard that <laughs> and, yeah that's that's a surprise
0: <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, any final thoughts?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. You're just saying that because you're do we're doing this remotely and I can't hit you with my shoe. Uh, Hi. Yeah, Thank pretty you so much. much. Why pretty are much. we still friends? I don't oh my know. god. We carry along. Stop doing that to me. My final thoughts little. are I'm gonna get you, Christopher Rice. I just How's love, that? Is I love
0: that-, that it's the only time you don't have something to say is when I say that. The only time you are speechless ever in your life is when I turn to you and say any final thoughts? I
1: feel like I did plenty of talking <laughs> as a direct result of you asking me that. I didn't go quiet. Uh, I just didn't true. answer your question because I don't necessarily have any thoughts that I'm prepared to say are the final ones. I mean, why is there arsenic in my tea? And I don't know about it. What do I, you mean? Well, my there, final I ones? wouldn't
0: know about it because we're recording remotely, so I don't. I wouldn't have had any access to your tea, and I wouldn't have had any, any encounter with anyone. You could have sneaked in, in while tea. I was asleep last
1: night and put arsenic in the tea.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if you live for us to do our next episode. Right.
1: We'll just see. We'll just see if we wind up on an episode of
0: Oh my God. did did you see Where Are the Children last oh night? Oh, my God. We're going to have to talk Ugh. about the Lori Vallow we'll case have eventually. To do something. Oh, um, absolutely. It, they're doing so many episodes on it because it is unfolding as we do these recordings, the case of Lori I Vallow know. and her two missing children. So, so maybe not, we'll wait till not, the next the round. Defini- right. we got to wait for the definitive Netflix special or whatever. But if you're my not following this God. case, oh, my that God. That story.
1: Oh yes. So if you need something to do over... The, um, your, home, your shelter in place. Uh, may we just suggest the Lori Vallow, Lori Ryan Vallow, whatever, however many, what's her last, most recent last name? I can't remember anymore. Yeah. I, oh, no, I, the,
0: the guy. Oh
1: the, God. The, I can't the, remember the, the yeah. author. I can't may or something. I can't yeah,
0: remember. May Google Google. Anyway, yeah. Lori Vallow. But until then, yeah, where
1: are the children?
0: I'm Christopher Rice.
1: And I'm Eric Shaw-Quinn.
0: And you've been listening to TDBS Presents Christopher.
1: And Eric. Thanks. And where are those children?
0: This is TDPS.